Hello there, I'm Ian Cheeseman and this is the Forever Blue podcast and thanks very much for listening, really appreciate it. And thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk who are chartered mortgage advisors who are the supporters of this podcast of which I'm very appreciative and uh, hopefully they're going to continue on with the podcast <coughs> next season. Um, we have actually got four guests on the podcast tonight, which I'll introduce in a second. Uh, the first thing I would like to say is uh, there have been a lot of people who are probably aware uh, that my dad's not been well over the last two or three days. I didn't do a vlog for the game at Brighton for that reason. I'd spent three days at the bedside. Uh, he has um, dementia and also had a stroke. So the, the people who sent me messages, were not all of which I replied to, uh, meant the world to me. Uh, and I did, although it's hard for him to understand, explain the, the overwhelming support that there was out there from City fans for him as well. So thank you very much. Um, on to the real matters of tonight and obviously the outcome of the CAS hearing, uh, which is the Court for Arbitration of Sport. And of course, as you know, City were banned for two years from taking part in the Champions League as a result of UEFA. Now, uh, I got wind of the result on Friday and I tweeted that out um, based on, on what I knew. There are a lot of people who are very sceptical. I'm not going to reveal, of course, how I knew uh, that, but um, the result came in on Monday morning. Um, I must admit, I find it quite ironic that uh, I have the, and, and hey, I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I have the scoop. <laughs> and yet, uh, as a journalist, I still won't be able to go to the games and I still won't be there against uh, Bournemouth on Wednesday. Uh, but such is life. Um, anyway, the main thing is that City uh, were exonerated. I know there is still uh, a fine, but that fine, as I would liken it, is a bit like if you were accused of doing some terrible thing uh, by the police and you said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to speak to you. Uh, I want to get a lawyer. And when we get in court, then we'll have it all out of the court because I'm not talking to you because I don't believe you're going to give me a fair hearing. That's basically what City did to UEFA. Yeah. So the fine is still an unfair fine. And I believe that City will appeal that. They've not already started the process. And so they should, by the way. And I'm convinced that they will win that appeal as well. I think this is a fabulous day for Manchester City. It vindicates everything that Caldoun has stood for and the other people who run the club. So I've never doubted that they would come through. Uh, Caldoun is a very impressive man who carries himself with great decorum and great dignity. The sort of man I am very proud to have at the helm of the club that I've supported all my life. So I never doubted it. Um, when I got the wind of it on Friday... I told people that, a lot of people doubted it, but anyway, I was vindicated, wasn't I? So here we are. Now, the members of the, the panel tonight are um, Harlan, who is a, a man that uh, is very familiar if you watch the, the vlogs or listen to the podcast. <coughs> uh, the man with the hat, the Gary, oh, uh, Gary not Gary Owen, <laughs> the Gary Neville. Gary <laughs> Owen's <laughs> um, So he's a regular. We've also got Andy, who's another regular. Uh, we've got Gary Owen, so I did mention him for a reason, former City player. I'm delighted to say he's joining us for this hour as well. And we have a newbie in Amy, who is uh, is also joining us. So uh, a slightly larger cast list, but a smiling cast list who can now take their turn one at a time. We'll start <laughs> ladies first with Amy to tell us how chuffed 
and ha chuff by the way is a manchester word if you don't oh, know yeah. that. just chuff. means really happy right <laughs> and, and although you we might put a bit of this out on video you can't see the smiles i'm seeing but amy is smiling from ear to ear uh, <laughs> tell me how happy you are about this and did you have any doubt that city would be vindicated uh over the moon over the blue moon way um it's just it was just I think at first, you know, you have that thing of like, are we going to, you know, because you know what UEFA's like and you know what these governing bodies are like. And it's one of them, you either think, and as time went on, I kept saying, yo, yeah, we're, we're going to be all right. And my bosses, my managing directors at the nursery I work in, are big, massive city fans. I think that's why I got employed, to be honest. Um, and when you go in our office at nursery, the whole of the wall is just covered in city stuff. And they were like, yeah, we're going to be all right. We'll be fine. And you've just got to believe in it, haven't you? So we, we did good. And that's the main thing. And how does this, do you think, Amy, left city? Are they, have they got a stronger hand? Uh, is this just about bragging rights or is there more to it than that? Um, if I was Sheikh Mansour and Khaldun, I'd be fuming because you've got the apart from certain teams that stuck by us you've got the majority of the premiership were after us and i just think that it's downright disgusting absolutely awful especially some of them teams who were in the bottom of half of the premiership who haven't got anything to thingy about or and i understand united i understand liverpool but some teams aren't even worth even the paper they're written on I suppose um, you mean Burnley, really, don't you? Because they were well, one yeah. of the teams. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I've been to Burnley. I've been to the football ground. I won't say what I think about Burnley, but there you go. And I just think that if I was them, I'd be, like, really angry with them all. And I'd, uh, I'd definitely be after some, you know, knocking on people's doors and after, after the throat sort of thing. <laughs> Gary, as, a, as an ex-player, you know, tell us your view on what's happened today. Listen, Cheesy, we, we know this has been going on since February when we was um, committed a, a serious breach of financial fair play, saying from 2012 to 2016. So we're talking like four years ago, came to nearly five years. So I don't care who you are, and thankfully I've never been in that position. If you go to court and you're depending on a judge, or in this case, three, uh, judges that was going to do no matter what evidence you've got no matter how confident you feel when you get into a court of law this was a court of football law, of course is that it all depends on the day how they how they look at it because not always everybody looks at it the same way and i'm not saying for one second that 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 it shouldn't have been looked at and could see quite clearly because it seems to be that what's coming out is quite clear from the club as they've been adamant right from the first minute that there was no wrongdoings going on apart from as you eloquently said about if you was going to prison and you didn't want to speak to anybody or you're going to court and you said I'm not going to speak to you I won't get a fair hearing I'll tell you in court when I get there apart from doing that in fact the club actually my understanding is is that they didn't feel it was it was part of uh, theories and um, allegations that they believe was untrue and why they had to answer that. And they, they said to, we'll give you everything you want. What you're now is trying to stir something up that is not, is not either true or viable. 
so we're not prepared to answer something. If we have to go to court, then we'll bring it out now. But I think, I think UEFA now, I think they're going to be scrutinised more than they would like. That's a certainty. So that little nest of rats they thought they were going to get into is turning into, just like it did with FIFA, mm. now it would be UEFA. There'll be hidden skeletons in that UEFA, which they didn't want coming out. And, and hopefully, like it did with FIFA, it will come out in UEFA. So all's well that, all's well that ends well. We got the right decision. The club was adamant from, from the first day that we'd done no wrong, wrongdoings. So a great day for Manchester City. A very bad day for our rivals, who wasn't so much caring that we'd be unsuccessful for, uh, for any wrongdoings. They just didn't want us to, to have the power to have the, the players to, to win eight, eight of the last 10 domestic trophies you could win over the past few years. So they didn't want any of that. They wanted us to be out of it and maybe lose some of our star players, maybe get a little bit disjointed. Hopefully we'd lose our manager. Hopefully we wouldn't have the money. So a lot of those ex-players who was, who was shouting out and voicing their opinions from other clubs in February, you don't hear much of them today. They've been very quiet on all fronts. I'm hoping they're eating that big portion of humble pie. Yeah. Because trust me, when I come across them, they will be eating humble pie in front of me, that's a certainty. I suspect uh, I'll come to Andy last because I've got a specific line of question and I want to go with Andy. But Harlan, um, as a, a very eloquently spoken fan, a passionate fan who cares very much about what happens on the field, this was an off-field victory. How do you feel as a young City fan about this decision today? Ian, supporting City, it's, it's, it's always an honour, but you know we talk about trophies and, and the success that we've that we've had over the last you know 10 years this today felt like we'd we'd lifted a title in my opinion the fact that it's been that long that we've had to wait for this decision not 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 only since february the 14th which was valentine's day when our hearts seemed broken and now fixed again um didn't know there was anybody out there that could operate on hearts and fix them um but caldoon's managed to do that and uh, and he's fixed all our hearts so he's a qualified surgeon as well now isn't he um <laughs> But yeah, way, way back two years ago when this all first started to, to, to come um, to the fore, if you want to call it that, um, it's been a long process and a lot of fans maybe had doubts in their minds. Uh, some fans probably read the initial stuff. No, I didn't know. Um, not, not after maybe, you know, initially when you hear something like that, um, the first reaction sometimes is, you know, put your blue tinted glasses on all you want and go, oh, we wouldn't do that. But there's, there's an initial thought process. I think everyone goes, what, what, what us? And then there's that initial thought of like your heart sinks and goes, oh, I, I hope we've not. And then you come around after a bit and go, no, no, because we wouldn't do that. So it, it, it's one of them. I, I mean, I'd be lying to say that when, when I first heard it, I wasn't a bit taken back as if to say, you know, oh, I hope we've not done that. But, but, after a, a couple of minutes of thinking about it, you come back into your, to your city mindset and go, no, no, no. Because knowing the owner and knowing the, knowing the, the manager and, and then the head coach and the staff and everybody at the club with the integrity that we've got, you, you almost trust them. And I said last week on the podcast, Ian, I trust Caldoun, um, I trust Ferran, um, I, I trust Sheikh Mansour, I trust Cheeky, I trust all the backroom staff. And I think for Ferran to sit there behind that, that camera lens uh, with Chris months ago and speak so eloquently about how we were so innocent and how he believed that we'd done everything above board. 
he was putting his neck on the line. There's no two ways about it when he said them words. And, you know, after that interview, I was more than, um, more than um, you know, uh, confident that, that, we were, that we'd be exonerated anyway. Um, but going back to what you were saying, Nelly, and yeah, I, I, I just, it feels like a, a, a title today. It feels like we've won a title because of the, the you know, it's like, a, it's like two seasons worth of, 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 of mud being thrown. And we've we've finally been 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 exonerated, and um, and now we've been able to lift the, the title of beating um, beating UEFA um, via the Court of Arbitration. Now the question I wanted to ask to Andy, as a very successful businessman who is at the top of his profession, so therefore has an insight into business and how it works, is first of all, how do you think UEFA? are going to be affected by the outcome of this. And also on a commercial level, and I know that the main thing for us as fans is what happens on the pitch and winning trophies and the magnificent football at Pep shows, but there is also the the, the business side of this. How, how do you think UEFA and City, business-wise, are affected by this decision? Well, thanks, Ian, um, for having me on tonight. Uh, it's great to be back on a great day. Uh, in so many ways. Before I answer your question, this is one for the lads who are in Seville. <laughs> because... it's also, for those who are listening to this on the podcast without the visuals, yeah. a sign that says boo. <laughs> and, and basically, I think our fans have been vindicated because we've, we've known from the beginning that this has all been about, let's say, protectionism, um, anti-competitive behaviour, if we talk about a business. Uh, con concept today is all about reputation and Ferran Soriano to speak the way he did as Harlan just mentioned back in February he properly put his career his reputation on the line and that was how solid he felt a man who doesn't speak in public very often the CEO of a major corporation a 500 million pound corporation putting his uh, reputation on the line and he's been vindicated today as has Caldoun as of the whole club, really, in terms of how they've conducted themselves. UEFA, on the other hand, uh, an organisation which is full of corruption. They obviously have no whistleblowing policy of any uh, value. If they did, we wouldn't have problems at Bury, Bolton, Blackpool, and now Wigan, and probably many other teams in many other leagues. So it's 1-0 to City big time, this one, against UEFA. And, of course, it means commercially that sponsors can now breathe easy. City can chase uh, more revenue because they're clean and been proven to be clean. And I think that bodes well for the club in terms of revenue streams going forward. For players who will stay, who may have considered their career options. So it's a win on, on so many levels. But mainly it's about the reputation of the club, its, its owners, it's management and most of all what matters, the players and the fans of the club who've stuck through this. And yeah, we can talk about whether booing's the right thing or not. We haven't been bitter, we've been right. Yeah. Completely correct in the way we've behaved. And I think that's what today is. It's a victory for Man City in every single part of the club. And UEFA have now got a major problem with their credibility and how they control football going forward because it could potentially now be a gate for a free-for-all. But they've got to now have a real look at their policies, procedures. You can't be judge, jury and executioner anymore. You can't allow uh, whistleblowers like Der Spiegel, who I hope the club go after legally for what they've done. 
um, because it's just corrupt and it's wrong and it's illegal. So well done the Blues, well done to the management of Manchester City and their legal team. This is a question to all of you. Um, do you think that City should aggressively now go after UEFA? More, I mean, than they have by winning this already. Well, I'll come in first, if you don't mind, is that, listen, they won't do. I'll tell you why they won't do. I think it's a case of, um, as already our statement about Cass and, uh, and the judges that made the decision, they were very, uh, they were very polite and, and thankful for, for giving them a fair hearing. I think the nature of our, our football club is to be humble. Um, and just because we have the wealth, it, does, it doesn't mean you can't be humble as well. I don't think they will. Me personally, some of those uh, journalists, and I know you're one of them, uh, um, Cheesy, because that's your, your profession, but some of the journalists who have written the stuff about our football club, I would not be sleeping very well if I was one of them, because those are the ones I would chase. Those are the ones I would make, uh, as I keep saying, eating humble pie, because they need to retract their words with apologies or something, because some of the some of the journalists and the written reports that came out about Manchester City was A, unfair, B, totally wrong, and C, uh, a discrimination. So the club won't do it. I, I know they won't. I think, I think they'll just carry on as they will do and hope that, that journalists write well about us and they will let sleeping don't lie because I think that is the nature. It is certainly not my nature. I would be hunting them down. I'm sorry I would. I'd be hunting them down and I'd be making them uh, pay for what they've said because we've all, as City fans, had to, be, had to be very quiet, had to be very patient and wait until uh, this decision was made because, as I said right at the beginning when you asked me, is that when you go uh, into a law court and your judges are there or judges there, no matter what evidence you've got, you've just got to hope on that day that you don't get bad judges or you don't get a bad judge and the decision goes against you. I'm not saying that we had good judges. I think the, I think the information and, the, and our case put forward was put out the right correctly because when you see the qualifications of these judges, they're all top, all, all the top ones. And I think it was, we will, we will let this go away slowly but surely. The club will. Me personally, I couldn't. Amy and Harlan, you, re you represent the ordinary supporters. We'll go to Harlan first, but, you know, as an ordinary supporter, having had to swallow this, if you like, for um, a long time, really, before the actual ban was introduced, this accusation of City being cheats, etc. you think that's over? Do you think fans of other clubs, because it's a very tribal situation, are just going to say, all oh, right, OK, fair enough. I get it now. They didn't do anything wrong. Or are they still going to be the same? Harlan, what, what do you think? Ian, just to touch on what Gary said about some of the journalism, it's been, and I don't mean this to come across offensive because people like yourself who I've known a long time are very, very good at their job. And I'm not saying that some of these journalists aren't good at their job and some stories that they've written in their careers haven't been great because some of the writing's probably been outstanding. But some of the stuff, or shall I say the majority of the stuff that's been thrown at us is what these fans want to be reading. And that isn't because it's true. That's just because it fits the rhetoric and it fits the, the clickbait type stuff that Tony always talks to us about, who is obviously hot click market. And he's always very informative with us about what clickbait's about and why people do it and, and how that generates stuff. And it does help social media and it does help um, the social media side of things, you know, um, grow. I should but, say, by the way, before you carry on with your point, that 
that when I put the tweet out on Friday night that I said that, as I understood it, City were going to be exonerated, I didn't expect it to go viral like it did. You know, it's had like literally millions of, of, of views, uh, unprecedented for anything that I've ever tweeted before. And I saw some people, I didn't see a lot of it because of the, the problems with my dad, but I saw people saying, he's just done this to get likes and retweets. And I thought, what? You know, I mean... On Twitter, you don't make any money. I don't, you know, wake up, people. And I didn't do it as a popular. I did. I did. And some people think, it, you know, take a bit of a risk. It was not. I can promise you, clickbait or to try to get numbers. It was just an honest opinion. But there is a difference between that and the type of clickbait you're talking about, Harlan. Isn't well, this it? is it, Ian, and and this is what I mean. People like yourself who are genuinely putting something out that you firmly believe is 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 gospel truth. You're getting a bad well. You're, you're inheriting that 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 stereotypical bad reputation now for a lot of journalists because mm. that is the majority of the stuff that's going out there. A lot of clickbait stuff, this, that, and the other. So when somebody does put something genuine out, your reputation is also kind of being tarred with that brush. And I think that's that's the problem here. Uh, going back to what I said a minute ago, just to uh, backtrack for a minute, when you asked me then, Ian, did I for one minute doubt us? I want to clarify what I meant by that because I don't feel like I give enough clarity on it. I never doubted us, but when you told something negative, I don't know, maybe that's just the way that my mind works, but I just kind of, it's like, because it's negative, the response automatically is a bit negative. And then it's like you switch because your, your conscious mindset comes in where you go, no, 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 we wouldn't do that. And then you also start thinking, but it's you air for that are saying it. And I've always thought you air for have been a bit corrupt since I was, you know, younger and, and growing up and, you know, different bits and bats with the Moscow stuff, etc. So all that, you know, collectively kind of convinced me that, that, that we would be exonerated in the end anyway. And then when you see Ferran's interview, it just cemented it for me. And you look at you know, the way Caldoun conducts himself in interviews with Chris at the end of the season, the chairman's interview, which is always really eloquent and amazing and makes you feel wholesome at the end of a season. I was completely convinced. But like you say there, Ian, um, you know, with regards, to, um, with regards to us as a club, I, I just see us kind of, you know, adding to what Gary said a minute ago, I don't see us chasing people down. We're a clean-cut club. Andy was talking about us being clean now in terms of our record and, 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 and looking, at, looking at things like, you know, Cass had done. We're clean as a club, and We've always been clean-cut. We've always been, been, been a nice club. We've always done things with, with quality and an and, and, and amazing attitude. And, and I think we'll conduct ourselves in that way now, adding on to what, what Gary Owen said. And, you know, we'll want to... We, we just progress now and build in, in a really productive, nice way. And, you know, if people want to chase people, that's fine. Let the fans do that. But the club, I don't think the club will get involved in any tit-for-tat kind of stuff. No, I can't see that happening at all. Now, as a newbie, Amy, um, I, don't, I don't really know you that well because this is the <laughs> first time we've done this. So, um, you know, you can react however you want. There's no restriction on this. I don't get people on because I have a preconceived... I don't even know what your opinions are on this. So I'm asking you honest, open questions. As a as a fan who isn't in journalism, you know, doesn't doesn't work uh, in the way that I do and that Gary does. Uh, and do you do you really take glee on this? Have you been on social media having a go at Liverpool fans, United fans? And do you think that's that's what should happen? Because there'd be nothing wrong today, actually, with us all sitting here with big smirks on our faces and having a right go. And nobody blame you for that. But what Gary said and and what 
you know, we're saying, I suppose, so far that the majority of us is that we quite admire this dignified approach of City. How do you feel as an ordinary fan on that subject? Um, well, obviously, like, um, being a fan of the 90s, um, I was, we didn't obviously have Facebook, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Instagram or anything like that. And... I went through the majority of the 90s either wearing a Take That t-shirt or a City shirt. And most of, the most of my class were either United or City. That was it. There was, no there was nothing else. And as the time went on, people thought, well, City aren't that good, so I'm going to move to United. Now, I live in a very mixed family group. Me and my dad are City. My brother's United. My mum is Liverpool. Mm. And... My mum is one of the calmest people you could ever meet. She's never once said anything about Liverpool winning. She's never done anything. My dad, on the other hand, if Liverpool hadn't won, my dad would have, like, give everything to it. And because that's the way he's been brought up from being a, you know, supporter from back when, you know, back in the day. And I've had to live through the times of hardness and everything like that and watch us transform into this amazing club that we've become and we are dignified and we have all you know we do all this amazing thing in the community where the Etihad is they have transformed that area into this um, into this most amazing place you could ever think of you get up to the Etihad and you always go wow no matter how many times you go to the Etihad it it's just an amazing, amazing sight. And you can't thank the you can't thank Sheikh Mansour enough for everything he's done. You really can't, because without him, I don't know where we would be. But because of the times of Twitter and everything like that, you are gonna get morons who say, Oh, City are cheating, City are doing this, City are doing that. The other night. Michael Richards has been absolutely amazing on, on Sky Sports. He's been a breath of fresh air. And Graham soon has said to him, who's the best, Marnie or, or Sterling? And because he felt he was going to be biased, he didn't say Sterling, but soon as did. Soon as said Sterling. And people feel that they can't do things because they can't say things because they're going to be biased. Well, I don't care. I will big up City for forever in a day. I don't care. I will stand on cliff tops and shout for my team. I really don't care. Good for you. Um, in terms of, of you know where City are now and, and going forward, um, I was involved in a very interesting debate on Times Radio earlier, um, and the debate went a little bit in the direction of what FFP stood for and what you'd want it to stand for. So now that, you know, this, this has happened and it's concluded and we've already said, should City go after UEFA, do you want, and again, this is an open question to any of you, do you want FFP to continue? If, if you had a wish list, if you were in charge, if you were the, the person who makes a decision and Andy's already putting his hand up, so we'll go to him in a minute. So do, do you, do you, change the what FFP is all about and one of the things that we talked about in that debate um, was trying to level out the playing field and whether you'd begrudge another Manchester City coming along and winning the lottery like we did 
because obviously there is a lot of resentment from Liverpool fans, from United fans, from fans of Bayern Munich, and because they want the status quo to stay the same. Me personally, I wouldn't begrudge another club um, winning the lottery and, and coming to the top table, even if that meant ultimately that we might not win everything every year, because you've got a bit of a dream in football. So what should FFP be all about, Andy? Well, first of all, it should be branding NFFP, because it's not fit for purpose, uh, neither for UEFA nor its member uh, associations nor the clubs. So that's the first thing that's been found out today. So they've got to rethink what FFP was set up to do, because it clearly was to support uh, a limited number of clubs who were wanting protection from um, competition. And I, unfortunately, I can't go to any regulatory body who represent my industry and say, sorry, I don't want some rich uh, person from this country or that country setting up a factory in, uh, in Britain or in Germany or in Malaysia, you know, against me. They're free to do what they want. It's, it's, it's the world that, yeah. that business is. And, and football has become, if you like, this so-called sports washing environment where so-called dubious uh, states um, back teams in order to make them look better in the eyes of the rest of the world. And, you know, and I think Amy mentioned it, there's a great deal that's been done bigger than just Manchester City Football Club and the development of the stadium and the, and the surrounding area of Manchester and the employment and the, and, and the, and the joy it's brought to, to, to people and, and for us to watch the most amazing football that we've watched these last years. Um, and the Premier League is richer because of Manchester City. It's richer because of Pep Guardiola. The yeah. Premier League is going to be stronger and stronger. And it's driving other leagues in Europe to get better and better. So I don't understand really where it is. This uh, it's quite clear that, that a number of clubs um, are, are against you know new players. I mean, I, I was once at a, I think it was the Bayern Munich uh, City game in 2014 when Aguero got his hat trick. Um, I got invited to a, a pre-match thing with with um, Lufthansa and Bayern Munich uh, had Paul Breitner there speaking it was in the um, Marriott in uh, Manchester and he gave a speech in German not realising there were actually City fans in the room who just spoke German and he called us the plastic team he punched off a manshaft and I never forgot it and the next morning I flew on the ne on the flight to Munich with him where I worked and I was sat next to him and I tell you what he had two out two difficult hours with me and it was just <laughs> clear, it was clear to me that that arrogance that runs through those big clubs will not go away. And on the journalist front, just to conclude, I've been a little bit on social media having a look today, and some people have actually, you know, they've changed their spots a little bit. I think they've realised that it's not in their interest anymore to have an agenda against City, but some will not change. And their employers, perhaps City should be knocking on their door and saying, you know, daily this or daily that. Maybe we need to look into the legalities of what's been said by some of your employees. I think Gary's absolutely right. You should rise above it and leave it. But for me, the one the one outfit I'd go after was Der Spiegel. I wouldn't let them ever again be allowed to uh, to do this against any other club for whatever reason. I think their motives and the and the methods they used to obtain the information were illegal, and I think they should be uh, they should be you know held up to account for that. You know, one of the ironies is that when I was at the BBC, 
Um, I was um, covering a game between Wigan Athletic and A Another, and it was at the time when Taxin Shinawatra came into City, and and things started to grow. And uh, and I talked to the chief executive of Wigan at the time, and I got a very very surprising answer from him because I said, um, you know, how do you feel about big investment coming in to Manchester City? And and he said he was dead against it, and he didn't think that this should be allowed. And I thought, hang on a minute, this is the chief executive of Wigan Athletic, who've, who've just had Dave Whelan get them from uh, crumbling Springfield Park into the Premier League. And yet he wants to restrict another club having investment coming in. I've, I've never forgotten that conversation. And even though I'm a diehard City fan, an obsessed City fan, a stupid City fan, <laughs> I don't want to deny any other club the opportunity to have somebody come in. Now, yeah, we can widen the discussion out as to whether FFP should actually be more about levelling the playing field, a little bit like the trying to do in Formula One, which has just become a, a very boring sport because Mercedes and Ferrari have yes. more money than everybody else. So how do you stop that? You try to limit spending, you try and cap wages, you try to do other things that, that actually genuinely make everything leveller. But while we are where we are, where turkeys aren't going to vote for Christmas, and even Manchester City, now that they're at the top table, might want to exclude some of the other clubs and actually might become part of the problem. We don't know. Actions will speak louder than words. I mean, I believe they voted for the expansion of the, the Champions League into 10 group games in the, the period between the beginning of the season and Christmas which I'm not in, in favour of. But of course, it's lucrative for the top top teams. But I am all about giving other clubs the chance. It, it, would you like to see that, Gary? Is that the direction of travel you'd like to see, that, that we level things out more genuinely with FFP? Yeah, but the thing about FFP, my understanding was always that FFP was to stop clubs getting themselves into a situation. That hasn't because, worked, has it? <laughs> well, that's the idea. Them into situations where... They couldn't handle it and they would go out of business. I thought that was the whole idea of it. But like you know, Leeds and Portsmouth. The only way we're gonna have a the only way we're gonna have a level playing field, Ian, is if we take all the money off everybody, give everybody a certain amount of money, and then let them let them get on with it. But it's never gonna happen like that. As Andy will tell you, business isn't like that. If you have a business and the business starts to become successful, the only way you make it more successful is that you throw money at it. You, yeah. you make it bigger. You expand it. You you bring in better uh, salespeople. You bring in better minds uh, in the boardroom. You bring in uh, better equipment. Now that costs money. So if everybody's staying on the working on the same thing, a we will not have the sport we have. We probably wouldn't have seen the finest football I have ever seen in my life. The Manchester City player. The only the only I would equal it with, and and on I'm only going to equal it with now because it's going back a bit now, is when Pep had Barcelona. I saw them play against Real Madrid and beat them 5-0. And it was the finest, finest football I've ever seen in my life. But I'm watching that, I'm watching that every week now in City. And no matter if we make six, seven, eight changes, the team plays exactly the same. You, the, uh, the only thing that changes, the personnel changes, but the football and the quality stays the same. Now, you're never going to get a level playing field because there's always going to be somebody who, who will be in Europe every year which means straight away you're going to earn more money playing in European Champions League than you think 250 and 200 million get in two years being in Champions League. You don't get that if you're not in Champions League. So you are going to have more money to spend. Yeah. You are going to have more money to, 
uh, divide out. You, you finish at the top of the league or you finish second in the league, you're going to have more money than the team finishing at the bottom. So you're never going to have a, have a level playing field. So my understanding is I'm all for a level playing field on, on the way that we don't let clubs go into, into debt and, and force them, as Andy's already said, about four or five clubs that's gone some out of business, some will go out of business. We want, to, we want a level playing field that everybody uses the money wisely. But the richer, you can give everybody in this country the same amount of money from day one. And in a year, you'll find that some's treble that, some's quadruple that, some's earning millions after only having £100 in a year or £1,000 a year. You're never going to stop people who are good at what they do. So we have got, we've got clever people running the club. We've got, we've got clever people that's taking charge of the, of the football side of it. We've got clever footballers and we've got an extremely clever manager. So we have built that. We've not just gone and bought it all. It's been built up slowly but surely. But only by playing in Europe, only by finishing high in the league, only by getting the money in that we're allowed to spend it. When you think, our club is, is has no debt whatsoever. And we're the one that's been put into, uh, in, 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 into unfair financial play. I'll tell you what, what about we talk about other clubs not too far away from us that are so far in debt, but the yeah. only way that they can subsidise it or, or, or make everybody clear in it is because their assets are worth more than the debt. When you're 500 million in debt, you tell me that's, <laughs> that's great business. Yeah. It's great business if you're, um, if you're a director company because you're taking dividends out every year and think, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll pay off the debt when we sell it. So uh, yeah. I understand why the businessmen are doing it that way. I understand why they're. I won't even say who they are, you knew they are, are taking the dividends out. They're coming to earn money, not because they love a certain football club, but their debt. You know, it should be the people you're looking who's got that debt. Can they control it? Why are they not paying the debt off? Why are they not cleaning the books? We're the only club I can think of that we have no debt. We're clean and green. I agree with that. Go on, Harlan. Ian, the, the, the thing that baffled me was when I, I actually saw it about an hour and a half ago, I actually saw UEFA's statement, the third paragraph of UEFA's statement. Andy said that, and I completely agree, we all agreed on the 14th of February, I think, that, that it, FFP, in our opinion, and in many other fans' opinions, and even Wolves fans' opinions, and even after clubs that, that wanted us to be banned from Europe for two years... That, that, that would all be affected by the way that FFP was being used the way it has been being used, in my opinion, and we all agree on that, um, which is to stop people from entering the top table. Like you say, if you win the lottery, you're not allowed to sit at the top table. You've got to sit at the other round tables, behind the top table, etc. And it was to stop competition. But yet, the third paragraph of UEFA's official statement on their own website today says, over the last few years, financial fair play has played a significant role in protecting clubs and helping them become financially sustainable, and UEFA and the ECA remain committed to its principles. Now, that isn't what FFP's been used to do, in my opinion, and therefore, how have we broke FFP if we were already sustainable then? They didn't have to worry about us then if we were already sustainable. They're saying that it was brought in to make sure that clubs were running and were self-feasible and sustainable, but they already knew we were because we were clearly making profit. So, yeah. what are you worried about us for, and what are you focusing on us for then? What are you trying us for? 
I think they were saying uh, that we were disguising the equity funds as sponsorship contributions. Yeah. You can only put so much in. But we've obviously uh, proven that. As Ian said right at the beginning of this, the only reason why we're <laughs> losing that corporate courtroom, apart from trying to get us for, for other stuff that we was cleared, is because we wouldn't answer the question about emails about this, which had been hacked, and, and also, and we believed that it was false accusations, but and we wouldn't answer it. If he was going to take us all the way to court, then have deep pockets and take us to court, but we will tell you why we didn't in in the right the right way. But if that's if that's um, a contravening Article 56, as they say, then God Almighty, there's going to be a lot of clubs in in trouble. That's all as I can think of. Well, I think you just you know taking Gary's point about judges before judges are like football referees. They only referee the law. Yeah. They don't have opinions. They have they just referee the law. And three top judges have refereed the law in favour of Manchester City today. And, and if you look, look for a little minute at the table, the Premier League table, and you look at the teams in the top 10 and ask yourself whether money really brings success, the answer is no, it doesn't. No. Because there's an awful lot of money being spent with teams who are struggling to get into Europe, particularly you know now that it's one team less. He said with a big smile on his face. <laughs> Everybody's face on it. Uh, yeah, so I think I think we've got to reflect upon this. The whole of football has, and, and start, you know, rethinking really why teams are successful, and you know why are Bayern Munich more successful because they changed their manager halfway through the season. You know, it's got nothing to do with the players. No, of course it has. It's got everything to do with how they're being managed in the same way as any team like Burnley or Leicester are doing, are outperforming Sheffield United. Well, you know, come on. These teams are doing really well in the top 10 in the Premier League. And as far as I can see, they have kept their, you know, their, it's, there's a conflict with Burnley about the spending money and, uh, and, and, the, and the manager wanting players. But they've obviously saying, no, we've got a budget to work with and that's what we're going to do. So it, it's been proven that Leicester won the league. You know, you can actually do all right. Maybe, maybe some teams suffer after... A decade of no investment, like probably Bournemouth would be a good example of that now. You know, Gary's absolutely right. You can't just sit still. You can't live in your ivory tower and say, we've made the Premier League do nothing. It's just not, so, not feasible. So what, what do you expect now, Amy and Harlan? This is one for you, but what, the other two can obviously chip in. Now that the, they've won the case, City... Yeah, are you expecting City to go out and spend billions in the summer and sign a lot of players, or do they carry on operating the, the way that they are. What do you think, Amy? Um, well, I'm hoping like that Kev signs the dotted line. Um, maybe Aguero might stay a little bit longer, who knows? Um, but, you know, there is rumours about certain players that are supposed to be coming. Um, I think it's one of them, you play it close to your chest and then you just blurt it out that, you, you know, you've signed these players. But, I, you know, we do need some stability you know there is certain areas that we need thing but I think we've got a good team and the saying is don't don't break what's you know don't fix what's not broken and you know we did have a thing where Laporte was injured and you know and we didn't we didn't uh, replace Vinny but we've got a good team and and I think you know and I, you, we just maybe need little areas that need strengthening but I don't think we'll know 
until like the very last minute if we've signed anybody. But do you want and do you think City will splash the cash after this victory? I don't think we will. I think we'll try and like do, I mean, obviously we've got money from, from Leroy, I suppose. We, you know, we've got money off him. Um, I think that they'll be very cautious who they, who they buy because if they do go out and splash things, we'll have it all over again. Everyone will be like, oh, yeah, here we go. They've got all this money now again. They, you know, I think, um, I think they'll be conservative, to be honest. I hope not, Amy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're all for the splashing of cash, Gary, are you? Listen, let me, Ian, let me just say to you, it's evolution. We know we've got to, we've got to, our squad works, I've just said, we can play, make seven changes, you don't know which, it could be the same, your strongest team, do we know which is the strongest team? We'll all have our own individual strongest team, but we do have to, uh, anybody that stands still in any business, anybody that stands still and rests on the laurels will come unstuck. Liverpool are saying they don't need anybody. They've got to invest. If they don't, history tells you that if you do not, like we didn't improve, I think when we won the Premiership the first or second time, or whenever it was, I can't remember. I mean, when you can say now, when we won it first, second, third, it's, like, well, we, it's great <laughs> now when you can say that. But we have to. We do, know, we do know that positions need to be strengthened. So, you know, when you think we've only got Gabriel Jesus Neguero as front men, that's not. I mean, when we won the league first time, we had four front men. Yeah. Tevez, Balotelli. Well, you know them all. We have four front men, Jekyll. So it's we do need a squad. And a squad, if you're going to battle on all fronts, you don't win on all fronts by having the same 11 all the time. Liverpool have been so fortunate. Not be, I, Listen, I fully deserve to, to win the league. There's no argument with the points they've scored and whatever. So, but but to, the best footballing side is us without a question. Yeah. But Liverpool have had no real injuries. They've not had a Laporte out or a Sarni out for 12 months, Mendy out nearly two years. I mean, big signings that came in to, to make our team better and have been, have been missed. We do need to keep our squad strong and we do need to invest. If you stand still, I'm afraid people will catch you, overtake you. We don't want to be left behind. We've got to have competition for places. sarney has gone now. We know we need another central defender. I mean, Chilwell has always been uh, mentioned with us, so he's obviously looking at another left back. We we need another uh, striker alongside Gabriel and uh, Sergio. So those three or four players, I can I can name off the top of my head. So I won't be surprised if you're going to splash the cash. We don't see four or five players coming in, but equally there could be two or three going out. And so that's an evolution. You've got to you, you've got to do it. I'm not saying that we, you know, we're not going to. I just, I just think that people will give us, give us shit if we like. We Is start. that bother you? Is that bother you on iota? No, it doesn't bother me. Of course, it doesn't bother me. But I, as I say, like, you know, I think they've also got to think about obviously Premier League. The Premier thing is still after us and all this stuff, aren't they? So, I think they need to think about other things as well. Yeah, that's true. That is something that should be ignored, actually. That the, there's a suggestion that the Premier League may. I, I, I can't help but think they'll back off now, but the Premier League might go for City. But when you're talking about splashing the cash, um, we'll get Harlan's uh, thoughts in a second. But if you're going to City, you're going to splash the cash. The number one priority for me would not be a centre half, would not be a left back, would not be a midfielder, would not be a striker. It would be a certain man called Pep Guardiola who they need to yes, offer the, the absolute kitchen sink at yes. and the most expensive kitchen sink you can yes. think of to sign yeah, him in a long term contract. 
Because our day starts off really good. I think it's going to get better. Because since we, we got exonerated, uh, everybody's panicking now. That fourth spot was going down to fifth spot. Oh, guess what? There might be a bit of panic going on at United now. Southampton scored after how long? Gone, 13 minutes. Yeah, get in it. Yeah, you might just be a little bit of bottle twitching there. Come on, Southampton. <laughs> yeah, Ian, Alan, adding adding on to um, you know adding on to what Amy did say, I I I, I don't think there's going to be you know and and, and I, I completely understand where Gary's coming from as well. Nothing would make me happier than to than to bring a couple in, um, one in each position that that's required. Like Gary said, I back him up completely. A striker, a centre half for me. Ty Pep down. Kevin a, a new a new contract maybe, but that might happen halfway through next season in January maybe or something. Um, but we need a striker definitely. Um, a centre half is a must. Maybe back up for Mendy. Um, but I just think, you know, Pep's not the kind of guy that would, you know, yeah, that influx at the start of his of his, of his managerial career at City or coaching career at City, shall I say, his head coaching career. Um, there's there's not been too many influxes. He had to replace Clichy, Sanya, uh, Kolarov, and Zabaleta. So they were the real influxes. I think it's small changes, small tweaks, like um, tuning the guitar, and then we'll be back. Um, strumming a, a beautiful chord next season. I'm, I'm sure about that. And I just think that, you know, to, 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 to really start tweaking too much now could, could, could be a downfall. But we do need to celebrate with a bit of a marquee signing, I think, just to kind of, you know, cherry on the cake it all. Um, do you know, well, I think, though, you know, if Pep, Pep was to say, right, I'm signing a new five-year contract, that'd be the ultimate cherry on top 100%, of the cake. 100%. 100%. I mean... I don't really like them cherries on top of um, on top of buns. I, I usually give them yes, but um, it'd be a beautifully juicy one, wouldn't it? If Pep signed uh, signed on the dotted line for another four or five years, Ian. But yeah, to add on to what Amy said, um, I'm not too concerned about what people say. You know, we get it all the time, all, all the spouting of nonsense, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just think that it'd be very classy if we just went out and maybe got two. Uh, two or three, and, and 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 maybe just added to what we've already got because, like Amy said, we've got a quality side, and and we are good enough, and we're not too far away from Liverpool. Don't let the the points tell you this season deter you from the fact that we play the most beautiful football in the country, like Gary said, and we're not too far behind in terms of um, you know anything else. We're not we're not even far behind in terms of anything else. Just points. That's all it is. The football we're far superior. It, it, you know, it's a glorified Burnley esque football style. If you want the uh, the truth from me. But, um, yeah, we, we just need small tweaks and, you know, go out and sign two and maybe just kind of annoy these opposition fans more um, than if we were to go out and splash the cash and give them that opportunity to have a dig. But if they do have a dig, I couldn't care less, Ian. The fact of the matter is, we've been exonerated now and we can go out and, and buy these players, but, but still, you know, kind of remain conscious of the fact that, you know, we don't want to do it in, you know, too much... Um, in too much of a brash way, where, where we would get criticisms from too many people again. And then us as fans have to keep defending ourselves on social yeah. media because as much as sometimes you don't want to get dragged into all that, you can't help yourself sometimes when you see something, it, it grates on you and it's like, mm, yeah. shouldn't really reply to that. But it's just a natural human instinct that when you're riled by something, to have a little bite in it, I, don't, I think we're all guilty of it. Yeah. Ian, I, you know, I heard that Guardiola had spent something like 10 days watching Madrid matches before we turned them over in the Bernabeu, right? That's a man who's hungry. The champions come to the Etihad and we absolutely spanked them. Absolutely spanked them. I didn't even give them respect. Probably they deserved in the guard of honour as well. <laughs> and uh, oh. 
somebody said last night, one of the commentators, I think it was a um, former Liverpool player, surprisingly, surprised how many uh, games have been so lacklustre and nil-nil or one-nils and nobody's really been spanking anyone. And I scream <laughs> TV, well, we spanked you and there's been yeah. three or four, four or five nils. What, what planet are you on? And I think it's about the manager and his players wanting to recognise that 21 points behind is not acceptable. That we've still got two competitions that we've got a very good chance of progressing to latter stages and possibly winning. And that next season's just around the corner and for sure that they haven't been sleeping since uh, March. Uh, I'm sure that Cheeky and uh, the club have been eyeing up all the options and there are players already lined up to come and join us who fit and already the noises are coming out about who's going out the back door it started so I think it's looking good for us and this today just opens the floodgates if we want them to but I just don't think that's been our style we haven't been paying over the over the odds for players so I'm very comfortable that we're not looking at this as a knee-jerk that the club will look at it in the, as they always have about long term they will look yeah. at Eric Garcia they will look at Foden so we'll look at the younger players and securing them on longer contracts, as well as looking for some marquee signings. And yet, of course, it means that Silva's going to be heading uh, heading back home, probably, that we'll miss him. But we've had the best of a decade of the lad, you know. Uh, what can we say? I just think it's a great day. It's a great stepping stone. Let's let's just look forward, because I think it's absolutely a, a blue, blue future for uh, uh, for us, it really is good. Certainly, a great day to be a blue, and we're all we've all very happy with what has happened today, and 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 uh, you know, and, and it's it's got to be a huge step forward. Now, let's finish the podcast by briefly uh, looking ahead to what's coming. There's obviously a game against Bournemouth uh, in midweek, where I suspect this is just my view that the team we saw at the weekend at Brighton was probably not far away from the team that will play against Arsenal. And I suspect we'll see an alternate 11 by and large in the midweek game against Bournemouth. And then the Arsenal game comes along. Now, anybody that follows me on social media will know that um, I've been very um, hurt really and, and, and disappointed about games being played behind closed doors, even though there is, uh, some might argue no other option and you know there are early whispers that there may be an attempt to try to get fans back inside stadiums as early as September, October and I for one can't wait for that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, it, it, I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I know it's a selfish view but it is killing me to be watching yeah. these games on TV as a lifelong blue, 44 years home and away, watching games on TV is not for me. So no. the semi-final against Arsenal in an empty Wembley Stadium is not going to be something um, I'm, I'm going to enjoy in a way. Um, obviously, I want City to win and I'm confident they will win. Uh, and then there's the prospect of a Manchester derby at Wembley <laughs> in an empty stadium, the biggest Manchester derby in football history and it's tearing me apart i make no bones about it but forget me how how are you feeling ahead of the arsenal game how are you feeling now ahead you know are you more confident a city going to be buoyed by the result without make of this uh, uh cast decision are you even more excited about the prospect now of of winning two cups ian i know the season's over uh in terms of you know us um winning a title and the fact that we've already qualified for the Champions League now, that we will be playing in next season, <laughs> by the way. Um, but 
Um, I still want to... You asked us a question last week. Do you still get up for the games? And some people might, some people might not. I'm not talking about you getting up for the game on TV because you don't usually watch TV games. I just mean getting up to watch City. Some people might just watch it a bit half-hearted. I can't do that. That's just my way of watching it. Um, I still don't like losing games. Regardless of what that may mean now in terms of qualifying for the Champions League, the highest points tally for me is the highest points tally. And I want us to reach the highest points tally we can reach. If you don't want that, I think it's a daft way of looking at things. Um, so if we go and underestimate Bournemouth, who won yesterday 4-1 against Leicester, a side that I don't think anyone give them a chance of beating, even at the vitality. If you go in and underestimate a side like that, who haven't been great this season, but can play good football under Howe when they want to, I think we'd be daft. Um, and, you know, yeah, I agree with Pep changing the, the personnel, and I think Zinni will start left back, um, or left wing back, whatever you want to call it nowadays, um, in, in, in a back four. And I do think that the game could be pretty similar if we do do that to the Samson game. Not seeing it the same kind of side, but, you know, if we make silly mistakes at the back, we will get punished. And that's yeah. been a problem this season. So if we do change the team for the Bournemouth game, I want it to be a good performance. And I will be looking at the performance. And although it's been a great week and a great day today, if we don't perform well enough, I will be a bit critical of it. And, you know, I think everyone will be right to do that. Um, but obviously, eyes will be on the Arsenal game. But I still want to see good performances and a good performance against Bournemouth. And if we go in there and underestimate them or disrespect them, which we don't disrespect teams, but if we do, we could get stung. And I just want us to go in there and be professional, which we have been over the last couple of weeks, and get the job done. Amy, are you expecting a, a you know, a just let's get through the game? I saw some quotes where I didn't actually believe from Pep Guardiola, but it was circulating on social media that Pep said he was telling his players not to go in for tackles, not to get injured, because the cup tie was more important. I don't believe that for one yeah. second. And not unless I actually heard him say them, yeah. uh, those words himself. Um, but there could be a thought somewhere in the back of a mind of a player or the team uh, that the Bournemouth game now isn't too important. It's all about the Arsenal game. Do you think, first of all, that the team we saw last weekend was the t more, more or less the team we'll see against Arsenal? And how confident are you, victory at Wembley? Um, I, you know, I hope we do. I mean, Pep always says you should always think about the game that you're going into, not the game, you know, ahead. And as I said to you the other week, we should always go out for a win, no matter what. And um, this team. It's like we, you know, when we played Liverpool, we did really well, and then you know the that get we then we get beat, and then we'll come back and we'll be really good again. We've just got to keep that mentality of 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 making sure we go out for the win all the time. And fingers crossed, I hope we do we do get you know we do get through and win at, win against Arsenal. Andy, well, we trained pretty intensively, so I don't think it's any different when. Uh when you pick to play. I think games every few days probably does have its uh, impact. Yeah, there's obviously a semi-final, that'll be the priority. And looking like Bournemouth really are fighting to stay in this league because it really is for them, you know, uh, very, very important to do so. So um, I don't think City will ever think about putting out a weakened team deliberately to not, comp you know, compete at all, I don't think that's in the mindset of Guardiola or the players, um, because the lads who get a chance to play, they want to show what they're made of. So, um, yeah, I hope we win. Um, 
you know, Bournemouth's a great place to go. It's a five-hour. So that's one uh, one thing always looking at who's going down. You know, if Norwich and Bournemouth have gone, it's a bit easier to get around that seat. But, uh, Assuming we can go to the games, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it is always in, the, it is always in, the, in your thinking. But the nice places. But uh, no, I, honestly, I, I just don't think it's in the mindset of, of City uh, staff and players to think about anything other than 100%. Last word then to the player who wore the City shirt with such distinction, who never gave less than 100% in any match. And I can't believe whether it was whether it's Bournemouth behind closed doors or Scunthorpe United on a Tuesday night when there's in a friendly. I can't imagine Gary Owen giving anything less than every bit of bead of sweat that you could possibly extract. So what do you think is going to happen in these next well, two games? Well, that's, well, I should be playing by the way you're going on. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you could probably still could. <laughs> yeah, well, it'd be a walking game now. But let me just say to you this now. Um, Pep came out with a perfect uh, um, comment when he said, I believe the players are arriving at the right time. They're ready. Now, that's, that's with like seven changes. He makes changes all the time. Those players know they've got to play at their best. They all want to play in the semi-final. They all want to play against Real Madrid. They all want to be in that team. We're getting to the, we're getting to the sharp end of the season now. Well, we've got a chance of winning the FA Cup and we've got a chance of, of progressing in Champions League. So everybody's got to be bang on. And we're scoring goals. We're not conceding many. I don't think there's any games we've played this season. Even the nine we've lost, I don't think... I can't think of one that we probably deserve to lose. OK, I can remember the Liverpool game now. It's going out of my head. But, OK, you could say we deserve to lose that. I, you know, I've never seen anybody outplay us. We've, we've given away bad mistakes. I have no... I have no fear whatsoever. If we're... We keep the sort of level we're at since we've come back. Bournemouth, sorry, mate, but you're going to have to look for points elsewhere. It's not going to happen on Wednesday. Arsenal, you're going to go the same way as yours, every time you play us. And I won't be surprised if you score two or three, four, even against Arsenal. If we play to what we're play, to our level, I've got no fear. And then Watford, do you think Watford want to play us? Our last, well, our next to last game of the season. They want to play us fighting for points. We even at home, we've done six every time we play. We eight this time at home. Yeah. Do we beat them eight at home? And, uh, and then, you know, we beat them six in the FA Cup final. Dave, trust me as a player, if you've, if you've had a bashing over and over off a team and they get an early goal, you're thinking, Jesus, here we go again here. I don't care who you are. And then we've got Norwich, bless them. Norwich is thinking, Jesus Christ, as though not been relegated early enough, now we've got to go to City. Please don't <laughs> let them score 10 against us. Please don't let them score 10. Because I've said for two seasons, somebody's going to get 10. Norwich, don't be the teammate, but I think you might be on the end of it. So I've got no fears whatsoever. Madrid is Madrid, and you've got to respect them. No Ramos, he's a big leader for them. Yeah. But come on, City, listen, we can go as far as we want. If we play at our level, it's the other teams that need to be worrying. Guys, you've been fantastic guests on the podcast tonight. Uh, the Forever Blue podcast is weekly, if you're new to it. Uh, we'll be doing another one on Sunday morning. Uh, Paul Lake's going to join us for that one to look back on the Cup semi-final uh, against Arsenal. Uh, today is a momentous day, I would say. I remember being in the jacuzzi at my local gym when I got a phone call from the BBC saying, uh, there's been a change of ownership at Manchester City. Sheikh Mansour has bought the club and City are in for Rubinho. I remember thinking, <laughs> what a day this is. And it feels to me as if this day is on a par with that because City have been completely vindicated, have been exonerated and have won against UEFA. And, and that, for me, gives hope, not just to City, but to everybody. 
Amy, thanks for a fantastic debut. Andy, Harlan, Gary, uh, star as always. Thanks very much to Charles. Thanks very much to charles.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who sponsor the podcast. Really, really appreciate their support at times when obviously money's tight, but they've stuck by me and they are supporting the, the podcast as it continues. So really big, big shout out and thanks to them. And if you do need a mortgage or you work for a company that need a mortgage, go and have a look at the website, charleslouis.co.uk. It's got a phone number on there. Dave's your man. Uh, tell me you're a City fan. That'll sort you out as well, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, if you look through the website, you'll get lots of advice in these, uh, these tricky times that we're facing. Keep smiling. And more than ever tonight, it's great to be a blue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.